Welcome to How We Grow, an essential playbook to grow and scale your vacation rental business with advice and insights from the best in the biz with your host, Linnell Gordon. Welcome to the Vacation Rental Show, How We Grow. My guest is Tom Stewart. He's the general manager over at Resort Realty, and I think your title may be something different, but what you do is manage the company. Mm -hmm. That's right. (laughs) And you handle all different areas. I'm going to talk a little bit about your background, and they give me like this sheet on you, and I'm like, I've known him for years, you know, and and they're like, no, 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 here's a sheet. So, damn, you've got a really impressive portfolio here, I'm just telling you. Some might say I bounced around a little bit, but you know, there's a method to my madness. Well, I think that we have to we have to bounce around. If we don't own the company, we have to bounce around because that's the only way you get paid more. I mean, everybody knows that, right? You get paid more if you move to a different job, especially as you grow in position. But um, I didn't know you worked at Tybee Island. I didn't know that. I did. I worked for uh, Amy and Carrie Gaster, um, I and they. That. I I left the work that I was doing in the industry that I was in. And they hired me, Sue Jones, who we all know from HR for VR, um, put me in touch with them. Um, and, you know, I was transitioning out of one hospitality sector, slightly into real estate, project management, development, and uh, looking to get back on the East Coast. And I went to work for them. And I'll tell you what, um, they've since moved on to do something a little bit different. But at the time... I think that, you know, I still consider them two of the most knowledgeable people in the industry as owners and operators. And uh, one of them focused mostly on marketing and sales and true talent. And the other one was operational genius, uh, Maven. And uh, when I went in there, I thought I knew a lot, but I loved it because I went in and I realized how much I didn't know. I know a lot about management and people and that type of thing, but truly the marketing efforts and the detail and the amount of coordination effort it takes to get things to happen. Um, they, they just opened my eyes and I was with them for about a year and a half before I came up here. But I think that was like getting a master's degree in vacation rental management. Um, and every time I see him or see, I've seen Amy a couple of times, I say, you know what, Amy, and I've told people around and maybe I've embarrassed her. I said, you taught me everything I know. And what a great first first teacher, because when they dove into something, they dove in all the way. You know, if they bought software, they wanted to be a super user. If there was a beta, they wanted to be the beta tester. And it, it taught me a lot about getting everything out of the out of the software that you use, which was one, just one component of it. But uh, great experience. I love Tybee Island. I love Georgia. I'm a Carolina boy. So I wanted to get back up this way. So it, it worked out. And that's and I'm here in the Outer Banks now. But uh, great experience. Great experience. I just introduced my um, my sister to Amy Gaster recently. I don't remember where we were, probably at National Verma. And I said, you've got to meet her. She's And I think they were on a panel after that. And they came up to me and they're like, we're best friends now. I'm like, that's great. <laughs> she really does embrace. She's a great she's a great person. I'd love to I, I'd love to get her take on here sometime, too. Mm-hmm. But right now, for the last six years now, uh, let me. For the last six years, you've been uh, the GM over at Resort uh, Realty. I was hired in a little bit below there with the intention of moving up. I was the GM at Tybee, but I've been the chief operating officer, which is the fancy way of saying GM, um, for the last three and a half years. So, yes, it's been it's been exciting. So I came in 
and took over this role right before COVID hit. How many properties do you manage? We have, I think today the count was 594. All right, so about 600. Now tell me, how many, when you first started out in vacation rentals, how many were you managing? In vacation rentals? I think we had about 250 and and heavy on the condo side. So it's a different, a little bit of a different animal. Tybee Island, they don't have these big uh, 20 bedroom behemoths. We had, we did have some larger, nicer homes, but uh, nothing like the juggernauts. <laughs> that they have more now than they did then because we just didn't build them at the time. You know, that kind of came along later. What we want to do is talk to people who either have been in the industry for a long time or maybe they're just starting out. And let's talk to them about some of the things that you do that you feel make you most successful at, at vacation rental management. And you certainly are successful. I, I, this year has been a, bunker, a, a bumper year for everybody, right? But you guys have done incredibly well. Yeah, I mean, it's, I think, and uh, we're very lucky and we're very lucky to be in this market and it's been a great time to be in vacation rentals. Um, you know, if you didn't know about vacation rentals uh, in the past, you certainly know about it now. It's Daily News, Wall Street Journal, New York Times, Washington Post, anywhere you look, there's always an article about some facet or aspect of, of vacation rentals. And yes, and it's it's been good. I, I hate to say it. I tell people, you know, the pandemic is a terrible thing. It's an awful thing. But it was a, a, a real opportunity for vacation rentals to serve a purpose and serve a need and take care of people. You know, where did you want to go take your vacation? Somewhere safe, somewhere clean, stay in your bubble. Um, that's something that we'll need to address as we move forward. How do we? How does that translate into to marketing in the future? But um, you know, perfect timing, um, filling that need, making people happy, giving guests those vacations that they were they were desperately seeking. Because what did you do? You couldn't go on a cruise. You weren't going to hop on a plane. But you could go to the beach, you go to the mountains. I mean, it was absolutely perfect. And at times, it almost seemed a little too easy, not from the taking care of, but from getting people to come. You could put a picture of a house on your website, and that was just about enough. Um, of course, there's the backside of all that and the operational side, but um, it was it was just just extraordinary. And then keeping up with it. So the big challenge then became not the marketing side of it, but the people side. The operations on the back end, keeping them cleaned, keeping them turned over, making sure they had the COVID cleans that had to be done, right? And all that type of thing. And piece. coming up with all those policies on the fly. I mean, we had great policies in place, but, you know, COVID was looking for something specific. And then you've got to look at what about your own staff? You know, we went from having, a, we're a very seasonal market. You know, we've got that bell curve, you know, March, you know, come July and August, it's, it's extraordinarily busy. Um, and the whole beach is busy. All of my competitors, so my, my dearly love, are all out there and they're busy too. And that's fantastic for the Outer Banks. But our staff had never experienced that. We were sort of like work, 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 perform, 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 and then plan, plan, plan. And the planning stage got compressed tremendously. We just were busy and the shoulder seasons became the peak seasons. Um, very stressful for a lot of our team. And, um, how did you handle, let me ask you this, because of the fact that I know that happened, and I just want to let everybody out there know that you are in a remote area, Um, you're actually on an island, and so in order to um, have people to help with operations, they either have to live there or they live off the island locally. So how did you guys get the amount of people you needed during that time of year? Because normally they just 
in the summer, everybody, everything, everybody descends on mass, you know, into that area to help take care of things. What did you guys do? Well, it was particularly difficult. I'll just mention because with the real estate market booming, a lot of the long-term housing in the Outer Banks went into vacation rentals, which was good for vacation rentals, but was bad for an employee being local, employees being local. A lot of our employees do commute an hour, an hour and a half from, and if you pull out a map, Elizabeth City, Camden, Columbia, these are places that are well inland. And there are easier places for them to get to work. They could move north into Southern Virginia and the commute's about the same, and they don't have to fight the tourist traffic and all that. But I think because of the nature of what we do and because we're more of a, still a, a weekly market, we can still draw a lot of folks who may work during the week um, and then want to earn extra income on the weekend. So that's still, I think, works to our benefit. We're seeing more you know, short stays and that type of thing, but, but we really do count on that workforce coming down in mass on the weekend. Um, you know, it's just a matter of, of, of really making sure we're competitive and pay, making sure we communicate clearly, that we use the tools that we have to communicate and do it well, um, try and solve as many problems ahead of time, and just use those tools again. Look at your bookings, look at the properties, look at the work order history, look at all those things, send people in, make sure that things are taken care of. Um, I'm a big fan of the idea, and we've heard this before at conferences, is, you know, cleaners should clean, maintenance people should do maintenance. And if they can focus on the cleaning aspect, um, that, that helps them. They, they walk away less stressed because they're not worried about other things. So that's just a one little thing of getting people to come in. You have to be competitive. Um, and I'll give one example. So you really have to know who, who are your constituents as far as employees are? Where do they live? I mean, we used to throw our Christmas party for the team close to the beach. 90% of our housekeeping team and inspectors live in Elizabeth City. That's an hour and 20 minutes away. So where did we hold our Christmas party? In Elizabeth City, you know, and they could attend. They didn't have to drive an hour and a half. Yeah. And it was fantastic. But it's just stop and listen and look and go, I know we're busy now. When we have time, let's really think about these things and say, hey, we appreciate the fact that you drive all this way. So we're going to come to you. Um, is that original or intuitive? I don't know. But, but you know what? It was great to go out there and see all those folks, and they only had to drive five minutes to get home. Yeah, no um, kidding. After our get together, so a little stuff like that—the cookouts, the picnics, the, the personal touch. I mean, we run the risk with all the data that we have of becoming so homogenous, and we try and parse things down. Everything's got to be the same, and we look at numbers all day. But at the end of the day, each property is unique, and each person we're working with is unique. I wish we had time to talk to all of them individually. We don't. So we communicate with them with the tools that we have. But, you know, you do have to show appreciation and it does have to be at a personal level. It just can't be. Picnics. You're like, oh, everybody does picnics. Everybody doesn't, Tom. So tell me, how do you you do picnics as well as Christmas parties and you do things to make them feel like they're a part of you, even though they're part time or they they're well, on, a, on a regular basis? We do cookouts at our operations center, which is on the mainland. So most of our folks do travel back and forth from there and they can stop in and get it. Sometimes it's simple, a hot dog and a Coke. Just say, yeah. you worked hard all day, come in here, take a breather before you have to get back on the road and commute back that's home. That's convenient. Tired that's, or, that's nice. I'm going to have to, that's a great suggestion. Yeah. You know, we did, uh, you know, looking at the different holidays, you know, we always do something for July 4th, but you know, we have a new national holiday called Juneteenth and we had a Juneteenth celebration and I think it was well received and it, you know, 
it's just part of that process and one of those holidays we need, we recognize and, and everybody enjoyed it. And it was another excuse to have a picnic too, you know, <laughs> we always picnics. enjoy that. Cookouts so um, just, just little things like that, awards and prizes, but it really is getting, remembering that these folks are not numbers. Like I said, we look at those all day long and they're not just cost centers. They are humans. They do have needs and just recognize that and, and take time out to say hello and, and, and uh, that type of thing. Um, you know, and that's hard to do, as I said, with 200 seasonal employees coming in each week. That's a lot of folks. That's a lot of folks. So tell me about, um, tell, I want to get to the story because I'm just waiting. Tell me about, tell me your favorite owner or guest story. You get to choose which one first. <laughs> well, well, I'll talk owner first. The owner one's more like more business. You know, you we deal with our owners and it's the old 80-20 rule and, you know, where do you focus your attention? But, um, you know, Tell I think- Tell me the 80-20 rule with your owners saying, um, we go anywhere. Uh, I forget the, the name of the, the the person who coined the term, but you spend 80% of your time on 20% of your issues. Well, sure. Um, you know, and-, and, and you're, you're equating that to owners, 80% of your time on those 20% of owners that are difficult. <laughs> Well, I had when I had young children, I probably spent eighty percent of my time dealing with 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 their issues, <laughs> you know, um, feeding and caring of young people. But um, so so it's nice when when good things happen, and in any scenario, whether it's guests or owners, um, or vendors or anybody else. But we had an owner who had a, a great piece of oceanfront property, just a couple miles down the road from our office, a beautiful, beautiful spot, dune, gorgeous beach. But he had a home that, that you know, sometimes after the Great Recession, it never recovered and they never really invested in it. And it, they kind of got behind the curve on it and, yeah. and it wasn't booking well. Sad and, furniture. And the owner had been down here for many, many years. He's from out of state. And he got a little, I'm not going to say, de not depressed, dejected and kind of sour about the whole experience. Even though the home booked, you know, nobody really left the home going, that was a great experience because it was just an older home. The beach was great, the home was not. And so he was on the verge of giving up. So, you know, we're numbers people, we're hospitality people, but we're numbers people. So we said, sir, I'm not gonna use his name, Mr. S, before, before you just give up and abandon ship, let's take a look at the numbers. Let's look at what other homes are doing. Let's use the tools like LSI tools and wrap match and streamline. Let's look at all these things and pull them together and go, what would your home be worth? What would it do if you did some work to it? Or what if you did something completely different and took it down and built a new one? Let's look at the numbers. Let the numbers speak for themselves. So we did that. And he was grossing, Mr. S was grossing 60 grand on an oceanfront, which is pitiful. It is so Absolutely. sad. It is sad. And we said, how, how about many bedrooms? It was a four bedroom at the time. Poor it's little so thing. For this market, pitiful. No pool, no, no, no amenities. Just let it kind of go. We said, what if you did this? And the number was five times that. At in a the pool, first year. at a hot tub. Yep, at a pool, at a hot tub. Go, go, go vertical. Put in more bedrooms, all en suite bedrooms, you know, with our own shower and bath, put in the game room, put in the theater room. If you're going to go, go whole hog. And he did. And the first year, and this was last year, he, he beat, beat that mark. So we're going from 60 to 300 K a year, but it's an, it's an expensive proposition. But the thing was we could show him by taking the numbers that we have, we're collecting all this data. Daily, I know daily, daily. so much data nowadays. 
and we go, look, we can't tell you what to do, but here's something that might help you decide. And um, he did that. He got so excited about it. He said, well, I've got this other place that's been, you know, trailing and bookings. I'm going to renovate it. Um, so I'm not tearing that one down. I can't do two at once, but I can renovate this one. And he has, and the bookings have gone up. And we tell that story to our owners and, and we go, we're not telling you to tear down your home, build no, a house. No. We're saying, if you do these things, you will see results. So that's why we do those annual inspections and give them a comprehensive 10 page report that says, here's your home. We're being honest. Take a look at this. Oh. And here are our suggestions. It's a lot of work. But at the end of the day, they get an honest assessment and then they get the information they need to, so they can make decisions. This guy's doing great. He's so happy. He'll probably want to build another house. We hope he does. That's great. But um, it was a real it was a real eye opener and it worked out for everybody. And the guests are happier. They're like, we used to stay there, but that's not the same place. We're like, no. <laughs> no. Guess what, though? I have some good news for you. We've just created... Uh, an owner section in insights for you, mm-hmm. <laughs> for everyone. And it automatically does some of those things without you having yep. to pull it out and push and pull. Uh, hopefully it'll make it a lot easier. We're just doing a big launch in the next, in the next couple of weeks on that. So um, hopefully it, instead of you having to run a manual and say, okay, I need this, 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 it automatically creates it for you and says, here's your report. So hopefully that'll work for you. I love it when you can help an owner. Oh, absolutely. It's it's a good feeling. It changed their yeah. life as well as, you know, I mean, you help, but it really yeah. changes going from 60 to 300, even if they put a quarter of a million in there. Think about it. They they get their money back within two years. Yeah. You know, and, and they're going to do just fine. So one down, 593 to go. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. So tell me your secrets for owner acquisition, Tom. Well, um, you know, it's it's been tough the last couple of years because the real estate market has gone so bananas. And we go back to the pandemic thing. And where have the homes gone? They've gone into private ownership. People have said, oh, I need my haven, my, my Shangri-La. I'm going to get a house at the beach. And and then they get here and they go, well, uh, you know, I'm going to keep it for personal use. I don't want other people in it. It was that whole mindset. And then the business side clicks in and goes, wait a second, you know, insurance is not inexpensive, flood insurance and upkeep and that ocean breeze doesn't, you know, your air conditioning units won't last. You know the story. It's, it's, let's look at alternatives. But in the interim, so many homes did come out of rental programs um, over the last couple of years, and homes went into private use. We, we saw it every week, every week, every week. Um, now we're beginning to see some folks say, well, you know, I only use it for six weeks a year. It doesn't make sense. Let's see what options there are out there. Either way, the market got compressed as far as availability of new owners. And there's only so much real estate. There's only so much land, a lot of teardowns. Um, so it, it's the same inventory kind of being turned over and over. Um, the biggest thing we did, I read, I read uh, Mr. Ventori, Mr. Pouts' book, um, Zero Five Hundred. And he made a very interesting point. He had a lot of technical stuff and a lot of things that, that they do at their company, I think is fantastic. Um, but one thing is like, go back to the numbers and say, well, how much does it cost you to acquire a home? It, gosh, that sounds like a lot. A lot cheaper than buying a company if you look at the per contract prices out there. We're not interested in doing that for a lot of different reasons. I mean, it's, it's, it's a difficult proposition. It's great if it works. But three years later, how many of those owners are still with you? There's all kinds of questions you have to ask. Right. So we have a development 
business development person. I think it's key if you really, really want to grow. When you're small, it's okay if the owner or the GM or the COO or whomever is highly, highly involved in that, or maybe actually making those calls and handling that paperwork. But when you're trying to get, you know, 20, 30, 40, 50, 100, 150 homes and grow at, at a real clip, you've got to have someone dedicated to that. So we had one person and an assistant. In this market, I looked at that. I looked at the amortized the costs over three to five years. And you go, what does it really cost me to get a new home? I would say right now, if you're not acquiring another company, which not our business plan right now, if you have zero business development people, find one. If you have one, hire another one. And that's what I've done. And I think that's one of the most important things with all these homes coming out of long-term and personal use, because they are, not all of them, but a lot of them are, you need to have the coverage to go out there and, and sell your vision and get, and get people to come in. I think it's, it's um, I think a lot of folks are realizing that. Um, so we've doubled down on the number of people we have out there. Um, and, I, and I would recommend that. It's expensive. Um, good salespeople, business development people, if they do their job right, if they're successful, um, but it's well worth it. Um, and, and if you're going to be the GM or the COO or the director of operations, you know, you have enough on your plate, but to try and go out and be the sole salesperson to grow your inventory, very difficult, especially with all the follow-up and the emails, the late night phone calls and the Sunday meetings because I'm in town. This is the only time I can meet. It's almost impossible. It is when you're small, but at some yeah, point, for sure. you, when are you going to take that leap? So that's, that's my recommendation. <laughs> so, yeah, I think that, you know, owner acquisition is really, right now it's so hot, you know, that's, that it really is. This episode of How We Grow is sponsored by LSI Tools. With 22 customized tools designed for vacation property managers, LSI Tools is here to supplement your vacation rental software. Our new LSI Rental Insights tool is perfect for easily searching through vast portfolios of guest information to change the way you do business. Visit us online at lsitools.com to learn more. Do you do drip campaigns for your homeowners, like uh, drip email campaigns for everybody, or do you specifically go after inventory as opposed to, um, you know, specific inventory. Here's the inventory we need. Let's go fill it. Do you do it that way? Well, I think we do a lot of different things. Um, you know, we, we, we have marketing specific to that. Surprisingly in our market, print is still a huge draw initially. So the postcard campaigns going to the homeowners residences still probably has the biggest impact overall. This year we started doing radio campaigns and you know, with the tools that we have, we can see when the owners are in, we can see in the market when the owners are in and we can kind of gauge the best times to, to, to reach out to these folks. So we know when they're in town, maybe we do the, the local radio stuff and when they're home, we're sending postcards. But I think, you know, that's basic stuff that everybody might be doing. But the follow-up is, is critical. I will say this, we're not as automated as I'd like us to be. You so never we, are. Are we Are we ever as automated as we'd like to be? No. We, we have, we have, you know, we, we, we use our marketing department to commit to com campaigns and do drip campaigns, but it's not, it's not as automated as I'd like it to be. There are tools out there. We're looking at them. Um, We'd like to do that, um, but we just haven't gotten there. There's a new one in that works with Streamline coming out. New CRM yes. program. I 
Are you beta in? Are you doing beta testing with that? We're not doing. We're not doing beta because they said we're too picky. Um, do you want me to stick gonna... your name in and say no? You need to do Tom for the beta. <laughs> we we did talk to the team. The team there at Streamline, so they're working on. I think at the beginning of the year we're gonna we're gonna get get that right. So we know what we want to do. We've just got to take it up that one notch, and I and I, and we know we need to do that. Um, but we have to make these decisions one at a time. I'd love to do everything at once. I know, I know, it's impossible to implement it all at one time. But it's 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 so hard to do. So we're doing some other stuff. Uh, Streamline has a new um, uh, automatically sign the leases type thing, so that's that's helpful too. So we're putting yeah. that into play. So there's just little stuff that, that needs to happen and, and then we'll get to that. But the drip campaign is huge. I that. I hope it works like amazing. I hope that is, there's one little piece I'd like to tweak uh, for the Outer Banks and for North Carolina, but other than that, I'm very oh, pleased well, with that. The Outer Banks, North Carolina are kind of special in that regard. We are, We have our own little little quirks. So <laughs> we, uh, we I know we've yeah. frustrated many a, a PMS company over the years. They're going, you do what? And they say, yeah, <laughs> well, just a little a little different. The granddaddy of, of, of the vacation rental markets. There um, you go. Tell me your favorite guest story. I mean, not, uh, yeah, guest. We're on guests. Yes, Let's talk work. about guests. Well, this is kind of a bittersweet one, but um, so I, <laughs> I hate to bring this up, but if anybody's watched a YouTube video in the last year, they might have seen a house kind of get hit by a wave and go into the ocean. And that might have been a home one. that we might have managed <laughs> very recently, and I won't say anything more about that. Oh. <laughs> um, but anyways, so that's a problem here, and that's another thing that that the GMs and COOs and the, the thinkers in the company were all looking at us. How do we deal with, with these other issues and, and helping our property owners? But we had this one place and it was right, and it's still there, right as you drive south into Rodanthe, it might be on the left. It, the, yesterday it was. Um, but it, I was going to say, I got, today it I might got, be <laughs> under the ocean on the right. Um, in Rodanthe. When I, got, when I got here in 2017 and I drove down to our office in that market, I was like, oh, look at that neat house. Wow, it's really out there on the beach. And five years later, it still was. Well, this, unfortunately, uh, this past year, um, it will no longer be renting. But we were renting it through very recently. But we had some guests. It's a group of fishermen that came down every year, a bunch of guys. And they booked the house in October. And the blues are running, if you know what that means. Yeah, I know what that means. Fishing time. Fishing, the blues, yeah. Yep. And and they said, we want to stay in that house. We stay in that house every year. We love it. We love it. We love it. And uh, we said, well, unfortunately, you know, it's it's probably not safe. It's It used to be just ocean front. Now it's ocean front and ocean back. And the water, <laughs> the water goes underneath it. And they said, oh, that's just terrible. I, my friends are going to be so disappointed. I said, well, we'll take care of you. There's another place down the beach. We'll get you hooked up. And they said, but you don't understand. We could sit on the back deck and fish. <laughs> In the ocean, they sat on the back deck and they fished in the ocean. In the ocean. They and we're not surf. talking about like on the on the sound side or anything like that. We're talking about water, ocean, ocean. The, the waves are breaking on the piers below. So you could surf cast from your deck. And and that's what they love that. So I guess they said, did. And we said, well... I wouldn't you can sleep still well, fish, but... but but you can't just walk eight feet to your refrigerator and grab another beverage. You're going to have to bring a cooler with you. But, oh my um, gosh, were, that's hilarious! We made them happy, but but they were they were they were they were bummed. It was but it was a sweet story. We didn't realize that. I didn't realize that. Oh, that's what they're doing. <laughs> uh, 
but it was a I came house. through there one day. I came through Adanthe one day and there was a house on the right that I just loved. It was right there before the um there's a nature preserve mm-hmm. and it was right there before the nature preserve. Well, right after the nature preserve and it followed it around. I thought this is the coolest house ever. And so uh we did at LSI, we did like a a team meeting where we invited clients to come in and we did it at that house. I thought it was the coolest house. You know, it had like this boat theme and they had, I mean, it was custom. There was wood everywhere. There were beds that looked like boats. There were things for children there that looked like, you know, nautical pieces. And I came through there the next time and it was like, it was, I mean, it was totally gone. The house was literally gone. And I went to, I think this is when Scott uh, Leggett was the GM down at uh, Outer Beaches. And I said, Scott, what happened to that house? He's like, oh, well, we had a storm and it came through there. It came through the sound side and it was on the sound side and it got up so high that it caused electrical fires and it burned and the family had, the family that was living there had to swim out. (laughs) The Outer Banks, only in the Outer Banks. I'm just saying I come through and then the house isn't there and it's because people had to swim to safety. So, um, you guys have some really extreme storms um, and extreme weather. And those stories are, I forgot about that. Whenever yeah. I interview anybody from your area anymore, I'm going to have to say, tell me your hurricane stories. I don't know. People might not want to hear that, actually. Well, but, you know, but you've got to think about it. I mean, it's what we deal with. I mean, look at our friends in Florida. I mean, in November, Nicole popped through there and, and some terrible things happened. And, Ian and, and not to the end. I mean, it's it's just part of the business. I mean, our friends out in, out, out west dealing with uh, dry weather and forest fires. I mean, it's... um. And everybody who goes to these places, you know, they want to get away and have their own little, you know, be far away from the Madden crowd. And, and the Outer Banks is definitely that. But there's, it is, it is wild. We are, we are, people don't realize how far out into the Atlantic we really are. I mean, we poke out here and we get it. And we get, uh, we just had a nor'easter, basically. You know, we have 35, 40 mile an hour winds coming from the northeast blowing in water and blowing in you know, constant wind uh, wind stuff going on. So we're, we deal with that quite often. And that's not that far from hurricane level. I mean, it, it, No, it's it, not. And Scott, uh, my friend Scott, who lived, he lives in Rodanthe. And I'm like, Scott, you can live anywhere in the world. You chose Rodanthe. And he had a four-wheel drive pickup truck, if I recall correctly, because that's what you needed on occasion. <laughs> yeah, and he, he gets flooded, I mean, all the time. It's just the way they live there. You know, if you live there... If you live there, it takes a very special type of person to live in the remote areas yeah, like you yeah. do in vacation rentals to be able to manage those. When we're remote and and uh, you just got to multiply that by 10 when you get down to Hatteras. Hatteras and, and it makes it, but that's the thing. It makes it that much more beautiful and exciting and adventurous. But for operators like us, it, it makes it a lot more challenging. The elements, staffing. Uh, at all levels, not just not just housekeeping and inspector level or maintenance technicians, but management and other professionals too across the board. So, I mean, it really does come back to you know taking taking care of taking care of your staff, taking care of your people, and showing appreciation and taking roadblocks out of the way, obstacles, and and that's why I spend a lot of time looking at software and running reports and making sure things are where they need to be, so we can look forward as much as possible. And figure out, you know, what needs to be done versus, you know, being surprised. Nobody should be surprised on the day of, but it does happen. But, you know, 
That's 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 part of it. Everybody can. We're already stressed out enough. We can breathe. No just kidding. Just a yeah. If you were to pull out a magic hat and wave a magic wand, and poof, software or technology could come out, and it would, what would that technology do for you? What what are we missing in this industry that we don't have? Well, that's that's tough because you know we've seen so much innovation um, in the last several years. I mean, uh, there's so many great products out there, and and we're we're streamlined customers, and we've been very pleased with that. We've been LSI customers for a long time. Um, you know, we use different tools. We 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 started using RevMax, which was the dynamic pricing tool in, in Streamline, and it's been worked out fantastically. It's actually forced us to become better um, at our analysis and our analytics and how we do things. It's changing how we're managing, how we're doing our pricing. Um, you it's know, interesting, so, isn't it? It really yep. does. That particular product opens up a plethora of of unique kind of decisions you have to make as a manager to decide, wow, it looks like there's money in this direction. Should I head in this direction? And it's new to us. We don't we don't do business that way normally. A lot of the the short stays that we haven't done before, uh, especially for our off season and being able to say, okay, the pricing here makes sense if we do X, Y, Z, but we've never done that. Have you found it to be thinking out of the box for you based on the kind of feedback you're getting? Well, you know, going from a seasonal market and a lot of our competitors, you know, I'll admit started before us, you know, looking at daily pricing and it's been very effective. I think we're still pretty much a seasonal market, in my opinion, at least for my clients uh, in the peak season. But for the shoulders and leading into those areas, I think that daily pricing thing, the short stays, all that. And I think you, you, you can't do it without having the data available, looking at where, where, where are your customers coming from, where are your guests coming from. You know, a short stay guest is not coming from Pittsburgh for our market. They're right. coming from Hampton Roads, which is southern, you know, southeastern Virginia, or maybe Raleigh. But Raleigh's still three and a half hours away. From us, um, you know, that's the center of the state, North Carolina. So you have to make sure your pricing matches, you know, the distances, and then and 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 that you've got accommodations that will allow the short stay option in a lot of condos and that type of thing. So it, it forces you to look look a little differently. You're not going to have groups of twenty, which we're used to having, home after home after home with large you know, a six, eight, 10, 12 bedroom homes, it's going to be, you know, couples and the demographics change, you know, is it, is it uh, uh, two retiree couples, you know, vacationing versus, you know, me and my, my family of adult kids and their kids or whatever. So it's, um, you, you have to have the data, you have to know if your price points make sense. And the only way to do it is to have the tools and you have to know where your guests are coming from. And some of that marketing stuff, and, and LSI does it, and 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 uh, there's other areas where we can see where are our guests coming from, what's the frequency, where's the money coming from. I mean, Google Analytics provides that too, but we can get more detail out of our own system. And then sort of that anonymous look at, at, at what's happening with our competitors helps give us a, a kind of an inkling of where things are headed. Nothing specific, but enough to know, okay, we're, we're probably making making the right decision. So it's, um, you know, that's where we go back to the data. And I spend a lot of time <laughs> writing reports and looking at things. And, and but, it's, but it changes. I mean, things can change overnight. Uh, you know, right now, we're seeing a lot of people looking at our website and poking through the pages, but they're not buying at the same rate. But we know that that 
behavior is more reflective of 2019, where people would go and they would look, oh, doesn't that look nice? Doesn't that look nice? We're getting together at Thanksgiving, we'll chat. And then we'll sit down and we'll figure out where we're going. As opposed to that almost frantic, if you didn't book it in November of 2021, you weren't going to get it in July of 2022. So, you know, we can, we can see that in our data and we can see that in the behaviors, the things are starting to shift back and, and we have to refocus on marketing again and we have to be patient. We can't go, oh, we didn't get 4,000 reservations today, which we don't get 4,000 reservations, but we're getting a normal volume. But I think that because of the pandemic, um, people are more aware of vacation rentals, they're more aware of the concept. So I think in the end, our industry is going to see a, a, a plus no matter what. It's just not like the salad days of uh, this past year. Well, your ADR is up. And so your revenue is up, even though you may not be filled for July. um, We we hope that we'll be able to pace the same as we did last year and keep that ADR. Our ADR is up. Our rev par is up. um, our, Our bookings are higher than they were in 2019. I'm going back four years and looking at that data. 2020 was so skewed because this remember right. this market was shut down for three months. They closed the bridges and it was almost, you know, some people would say martial law. That's kind of nice, but not in a very comforting way. I'm sure <laughs> Hawaii quiet. agrees with you. It was, it was, it was, it was a difficult time. We didn't know where we were headed, but it, it, it's obviously worked out. But um, the data that's good for 2020, though, Tom, excellent data in 2020 because. What we found from the people that came, we found in harvesting that data, people came that could turn on a fly and do. they just turned around and they just went when they could. So we have a lot of people that are last minute bookers that we now have data for when they go, oh, you know, at the last minute you can actually come. And um, it's a great way to harvest that data and find people for our uh, shoulder off season weeks, you know, that are. And maybe, and maybe sometimes I look at 2019 to go remind myself, this is sort of what normal looks like. And then I just go back, okay, let's focus on 2023. That doesn't matter anymore. But, you know, know. people, people are creature habits and and things will kind of flow back to, to sort of an equilibrium. But uh, I I think so. I was, I was reading this morning um, or yesterday, I think uh, Time Magazine did an article about Airbnb. Um, Owners not seeing the same rental volume, but Airbnb is making more money than ever. So people are booking more, but they're not particular specific homes aren't booking out. I look at the the cruise industry, um, a lot of pent up demand there. I remember there was a year where the cruise industry almost died in this country, yeah, nobody, which is, which is sad, so. which is terrible. Um, but people are going. I, I use my mom as a reference point. She goes, oh, I get to go on a cruise again. I'm like, okay, well, good for you, mom. You really should come to the beach, but that's fine. <laughs> so, but you well, know, good for her. those things, those things uh, weren't available or were people were a little afraid and that's, and that's changed. So we have to compete against that. Um, like I said earlier, it's not just about putting a home out there. There's, there's the whole, the whole gamut. Where are they coming from? What can they afford? Whatever things are there for them to do here and really playing that up. And I think this is the year where, we were getting into that whole experiential vacation thing, pandemic hit. And, and for our market, it was enough just to have a safe, clean, beautiful location, but people are going to go back and go, well, that's great. But what else is there? 
And so we're seeing a shift back towards, you know, partnering with your local um, fun companies in the area, the restaurants and your outdoor stuff and activities and play up the fishing and, and the kayak, kayaking and the kiteboarding. And, and you'll see more of that I think, coming to play. People were doing it, but um, I think as far, as far as the experiential package, we have to do a better job of promoting that again, working with all of our tourism partners in the area. So it's just, there's just so many different areas to look at. Are you concerned about the second quarter of 2023 at all? Are you concerned about what's going to happen with, uh, or how are we booked there? I see a lot of pre-bookings, so I, I'm not concerned that much, but what do you see? Well, I think right now in our market, we're, we're, we're very competitive. Um, I do, do see that it has dropped. I think the first two quarters, I think, um, from everything I've read and understood, and I'm not an economist. No, um, me either. But we look at as much data as we possibly can. I think the first half of the year is going to be a little bit softer. Um, I think that though under, Overall, I think that uh, we're going to see some great performance as the year progresses. I think people have become kind of hooked on vacation rentals. They're, they, they, maybe they look at that cruise and go, "Do I want a little teeny tiny cabin?" and and um, or and I'm not disparaging the cruise no, industry. No, of course not. Industry. No, no, no. Yeah. Or do I want my own place where I can stretch out? We know that story. So um, I, th- I think I think we're going to have um, a, a good year. I think it'll start out a little soft, but I think as we get closer to it. Those late bookers you talked about. I think we'll so be, too. We'll be we'll be talking to them. And, That's and what I think. Uh, hopefully our ADRs and all that stuff will will hold hold we'll hold strong. You know, they didn't in the West. They held on our coast. They held on the in the East Coast. They didn't hold as well on the West uh coast and um some of the other areas. Uh, but it it really held where we are. So hopefully that'll do that. It'll hopefully it will yeah. continue. And I think uh, Netflix will drop another season of Outer Banks, and uh, that actually, that actually, that actually did help this market. Did it really? Oh yeah. Yep. Yep. I had somebody tell me about that show, and they're like, "It's a teenager show, Lanelle, but you should watch it because it's interesting." I don't watch. I just I sitting down is a hard thing for me. If I'm going to sit down, I need to be doing something important. It, it was it was enough for us just to have the title Outer Banks show up on everybody's Netflix account. <laughs> and That's it did. great. It drove, the interesting thing is it drove traffic to um, all the websites that had Outer Banks affiliated in their SEO. The problem was that when people got to the website or went to the results pages, they weren't clicking on the vacation rental. They were trying to find the show. So we had to do something and carve out Outer Banks Netflix from our SEO so it didn't you know, give us bad like- data. <laughs> <laughs> oh gosh, I didn't think about that. I guess you did. Yep. Wow. Yeah, that was interesting. But um but like I said, we're very we're very fortunate in this market. We've got a we've got a lot of good good things going for us. I will say one thing. So going back in time a little bit, you asked for another tip. And I've said this, I've been talking to my team about this for a year, is you know, our reservations team for a couple of years hasn't had to use all those professional skills as much. The, the ability to close. The yeah, because people were just coming and begging for a place. At yeah, that what's point. the old joke? You want fries with that? Um, and and and, and it, it it really changed our behavior. And, and our and our professionals still had lots of work to do and, and leases and close this out, get questions answered, and they're doing all that. But 
as far as true sales skills, we've had to keep working on that. And I would say if you're not doing call scoring, um, if you're not you know, tracking all of your CRM and responding to everything timely and keeping up with that and looking at even the hang time, I call it hang time, like the time your agents are on the phone, are they talking or are they selling? Are they converting? Are they answering questions? Um, but are they asking for that sale? Um, if it, now's the time to get back to that frame of mind because I think that, like I said before, people, a lot of people are looking right now. They are booking strongly, but a lot more are looking, coming back. And that means in my mind is that if they're looking and they have questions, they're going to pick up the phone and do it old school. I think our online booking numbers have shot through the roof. They're going to stay higher than they've ever been. But people are going to go back to more traditional methods and say, I want to speak to somebody. I've got questions. I want to know more than what you've got on your website, even though you've, it's a phenomenal website. Um, that, that's going to happen. So, I heard something uh, this past week that I was just like, I haven't thought about this in years. I was doing a, a, like I was doing a, a class. I was teaching a little bit about analytics. And um, I had someone with me that came from, I think they came from, I think they came from Vacasa, honestly. Um, but they were saying, uh, they were saying, no, they came from booking, booking.com. Mm -hmm. And this person was saying, well, make sure that you have your pictures on the website ordered properly. And I thought, I haven't thought about that probably in six years, you know, because I thought everybody knows that now, don't they? But you were talking about getting back to basics. I guess I guess when you start out, you really don't know those things. And there are, there should be like this basis class, basics class that says, okay, you have to order your pictures this way because of, because you only have what now, well, at the time you had three seconds, you probably mm -hmm. don't even have three seconds now uh, to make sure that that first picture gives you a picture of the houses. I mean, even though, and the types of things that she was talking about, the, st the stats and things that I thought, well, everybody looks at that every day, but they don't anymore. I mean, they don't know you no, no, you don't until you get out there and do it. But that's the value of, I think, I'm, I'm glad to see there's more information online. Like I said, the vacation rental industry has become more part of American consciousness. People are aware of it. People are dabbling in it, whether they're mm -hmm. Airbnb, Verbo, or, or buying a second property. Um, podcasts, the conferences. And I will tell if you have one house, six houses, 100 houses, 200 homes, whatever, however many properties, go to the conferences, the little regional ones um, that our friends at VRM Intel do, the, the big one that the VRMA does, and there's that international ones. Um, and, and, what's, what's the, you know, and then the software providers do their own user group. Usually Streamline does a massive one summit every fall, and we always send folks. And I've been into that. I love that. I do um, too. But go to those things, not just to learn about the software, but to network and to ask those questions and get them answered and find out the tips and tricks. That thing you just brought up, I went to a HomeAway conference in 2015, and they talked about ordering pictures. And so I thought after 2015, everybody already knew that, but you're saying that's still new I knowledge. I thought they knew that too, but huh. they don't. People don't. I mean, and how would they know that? Unless they come to the conferences, or that, how would they know that? How, I mean, expensive. yeah, there should be a book, 101, you know, Vacation Rentals 101, <laughs> here are the things you have to think about before you think about anything else. Your accounting system, your um, your your online presence, the things you have to think mm -hmm. about with online presence. What is your key piece of advice for new vacation rental managers just getting in? 
uh, just getting into vacation rentals for short-term rentals. Wow. I mean, there's there's so much. I, I would say the, the thing is, and I remind my owners and my employees about this when we start getting sidetracked, I would say, remember what we do. And I use, a, I use an analogy, and some people frown when I say it. I said, uh, Walmart. And I think of Walmart, I think of buying things cheap. So if their logo would be anything Walmart, we sell things cheaper. And you go, oh, that's great. But you and I both know for Walmart to be able to do that, there are a million things they have to do. Logistics and pricing, and purchasing, and warehousing, and training, and building buildings. I mean, it goes on and on and on and on and on. When I look at vacation rentals, I go, we go back to the, the three components of it, but I've even said it even shorter. I, I even got up in front of an owner's social big meeting and said, this is what we do. Let there be no mistake. We, we do three things about your property. We, we book it, we fix it, we clean it. I said, that's it, really? In a nutshell. Now, each one of those things has 10,000 components to it. Um, but if we forget that those are the three things we need to do. And then you got to figure out how best to do that. How best do we book it? Well, you're looking at your data. You're looking at your pricing. You're looking at your website. You're looking at your marketing. How do you fix it? You're looking at your maintenance. You're looking at which tools you're using. You know, what type of what type of software, how you're keeping up with it, the reporting, the accounting. You're looking at cleaning. You're looking at, you know, pan, pandemic standards and cleaning supplies and personnel and training and follow-up and inspections. But when you get too far in the weeds, as we used to say in the restaurant business, um, and you're trying to find your way out, it does help to remember, like, what am I really trying to accomplish? I'm trying to, to book this home. I'm trying to maintain this home, fix it. And I'm trying to clean this home, keep keep that property in shape so the guests will be happy when they arrive. That still rules the roost. Nice, clean home. So, you know, when it gets too confusing and there's everybody's trying to sell you something about this is going to change your world, you got to ask yourself, am I doing these three things? Because if I am not, you know, offering boogie boards to my guests, it's not the answer if I'm not accomplishing these first three things. So, although I would recommend offering some sort of vacation <laughs> gear to your guests, but that's Especially ancillary. if you make a little profit off of it. Doesn't hurt. No, no. <laughs> well, I am really grateful for you taking the time to talk with me and to share your knowledge and uh, I hope that um, I hope that we can come back and have a chat next year and see how things went this year. Well, I, I would love to. It's going to be an exciting year. Thank you so much, Linnell. This has been terrific. I hope I see you soon. Thanks a lot, Tom. Thanks again. Take care. This episode of How We Grow was brought to you by LSI Tools. To find out more about how LSI Tools can help to grow your vacation rental business, visit lsitools.com. Make sure to watch for How We Grow in Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and Google Podcasts or anywhere else podcasts are found and hit subscribe so you never miss an episode. On behalf of the team here at Inhabit, thanks for listening.